Do you know when I was a little when I was a little kid, um, I used to make a like a wildcat noise, Do you, can and they made fun of me. Can you still make it? Yeah, it goes like this. Here, hang on. That's what it sounds like. Wait, can you give us another for safety? <laughs> yeah, yeah, give us one more. <laughs> accompanying it it's just like a picture of a panther just a picture of a panther yeah stalking exciting through the night so lex friedman one cub in the den the (laughs) the (laughs) (laughs) skyping in from (laughs) new york city that's right so Mm -hmm. we're okay we're talking about one of my i realized watching this as a 30 year old adult this is still one of my favorite movies of all time and i am going to be completely irrational in my praise of it. So like just going into it, Miles, you're going to have to be the voice of reason. I can do that. (laughs) You are because it's also one of my all time favorite movies. And I was concerned yesterday watching it because I hadn't seen it in so long that it might not still be one of my favorite movies, but it absolutely is. 100%. When was the first time that you watched it? I watched it. I think I was 17. I was seeing a guy, and I remember I watched that and Reservoir Dogs, and I had never seen, like, Steve Buscemi do anything, I think, uh-huh. before. And I, like, fell in love with him because yeah. of those two roles, which is, like, weird because he's the total creep in both of them. But I think there's a lot of Buscemi love for for roles like this. I think, I think like, a lot of people are actually really attracted to him because he's he's such a creep in this movie and throughout that movie and all movies in the 90s I guess yeah I mean looking back I think I might have seen I must have seen the Big Lebowski earlier but it didn't like register because it's not I mean it's a great Steve Buscemi part but it's not like a sociopath yeah he's not as sexy in it (laughs) (laughs) he's just kind of a dude (laughs) I love I love how much maybe this is just me but I I feel like there's extra focus on his janky teeth in in this movie I almost think they made Uh, did they make them worse I don't know they look really gnarly um I was watching it with two friends of mine and uh one of them uh mentioned his watery eyes in this one (laughs) so there's, there's just a pool of tears at the bottom of his eyes like, I, I, in every single shot. I think this was my introduction to him too. So he's he'll always be Garland Green to me mm-hmm. in my heart. Uh, Miles, yeah. When when did you first see Con Air? Uh, I first saw Con Air. I was probably nineteen, eighteen or nineteen. It was in college, and uh, someone mentioned Con Air, and I was like, oh, I don't. I've never seen Con Air, mm-hmm. and literally everyone in the room was like. What did uh did it hold up? Did did it meet your expectations at that point? Yeah, I think I was less uh, susceptible to the influence of like shitty popcorn flicks at that point because yeah. you know I was 
young and I was trying to be intellectual and pretentious. So yeah, you were older than right. I, I was. Um, I, but oh, it was the 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 experience was so much better this time around. Okay. So uh, yeah, that was, yeah. so you enjoyed it. Yeah. And also I'd, I'd forgotten like huge chunks of the movie as well. So it was good to kind of see it again. And it was almost as if I was seeing it for the first time because there were a lot of assumptions about it that I found to not be true. And also just other things that I straight up like didn't even remember or what? like in the movie. Like what? Like what assumptions? It came off or maybe I just like wasn't again as excited about the tone of the movie because you have to take it on its own level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then there were just things like I didn't take uh, Nick Cage seriously as an actor at that point, you know, mm-hmm. which is a ridiculous thing to say now. Has that changed now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it hasn't at all. I think I take him less seriously now than I did then, actually. I think that might be the key, though. Um, it, you know, the, the biggest misconception that I've heard uh, about this movie that I heard just last night uh, when we were at that show is people think Michael Bay directed it. Um, I did too until like, until recently when I was researching it for in preparation for this and I realized like, Oh, he didn't. No, it's not true. It's a Bruckheimer joint. Um, This is the second uh, Jerry Bruckheimer film after the rock that Michael Bay did direct. Now what's what I think is funny about this is uh, like we were saying with The Rock, Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson plucked Michael Bay out of the commercial directing world. Like he'd, he'd won an award for directing some shit and they were like, hey, you want to direct a bazillion dollar blockbuster? And they basically did that with, um, what's this guy's name? Simon West, who um, I learned this time around <laughs> had got an award for directing those uh, Budweiser commercials with the frogs. No. Yeah. Oh my God. Is that the guy? That's the guy. Oh no. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so they what were. A, what a legacy. Though. I know. Right. But those com- those commercials are what like twenty years old. Yeah. 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 And um, and we all. Everyone knows them. Yeah. We we don't even have to do the impersonation. Everyone knows. I mean, between Con Air and those commercials, he influenced like an entire generation. True. That's insane. Mm-hmm. True. His vision. I mean, in reality, it's like uh, in the same way that the, the Rock is like the best Michael Bay movie because it's not really a Michael Bay movie um, in the it, it, in its purest form. Like this isn't really like a Simon West movie. It's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. And I learned much like The Rock, um, this was done with like Nick Cage essentially was a co-writer on the script. In really? terms of just like the way he was improvising stuff. <laughs> so here's, here's how this movie came about. Um, they were making the rock and, um, according to what, according to, uh, the unauthorized biography of Nicholas Cage, the man behind captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. Um, of course. they, they were making the rock and Disney, uh, came, <laughs> came to Jerry Bruckheimer and they were like, Hey, there's, they, they had this LA times article about how us marshals transport over 150,000 prisoners in the U S a year. And they're like, do you think there's a movie in this? And he was like, yeah, I'm sure. Why not? So <laughs> I feel like you can bring most source material to Bruckheimer and be like, do you think there's a movie in this? And he'll be yeah. like, yeah, sure. Do you want it? Uh, he like just sees in his head, like three or four explosions. He's like, yeah, I can fit those in. 
to us. Isn't that how National Treasure? They're like, there's a pyramid on the back of the dollar bill. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you can make this? a movie about that? <laughs> they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a this ride at Disneyland with the pirates that isn't making as much money as it could. <laughs> you, you got, is there a movie in that? Is, <laughs> there's a there's six. There's yeah. <laughs> I have a role for Paul McCartney in the future. <laughs> So uh, they brought it to writer Scott Rosenberg, uh, who had previously done Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, a movie called Beautiful Girls with Matt Dillon, who I I also haven't seen, but went on to write High Fidelity, Gone in 60 Seconds with Nick Cage, and Kangaroo Jack. Uh, (laughs) So this is the... uh, I really love two of those movies. Right. Yeah. Kangaroo Jack and uh, and Gone in 60 classics. (laughs) And... uh, just for context, director Simon West went on to do uh, The General's Daughter with uh, John Travolta, which I don't know if you guys have seen that. I have. I have. Unfortunately, not. I don't know why I saw it. It's it's another like, it, it's like a like thriller with like really icky, erotic uh, undertones. Not, I feel like they were pumping those out in the, in the late 90s. Well, com- That's like all that it was. We're coming up on 8mm, which Ooh. is like the like <laughs> cream of the crop of like icky thrillers. So um, he also did Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, and Stolen with Nick Cage, which I'm now actually excited to see, which I <laughs> my excitement level was like 0.1. <laughs> but uh, it's 0.2 now. Um, so anyway, um, they, they were making The Rock. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer was like talking to Nick Cage and he's like, Hey, we're going to make this, like this movie about us marshals too. He's like, now that you're making action films, are you interested? Nick Cage is like, yeah, totally. Like, let's do it. And, um, so he would meet up with the writer, uh, with, uh, Scott Rosenberg and just, uh, they had just wrote this together and he didn't take a writing credit on the film, but like, Pretty much all of his one-liners are Nick Cage original. I mean, and this, yeah, they definitely are. He only has one-liners. He said he doesn't say very much in this movie. Everyone really. pretty much only has one-liners in this movie. Yeah, which well, there's I, like 800 people in it. So yeah, which I think is why I love it. Actually, is the mm-hmm. uh, the dialogue is completely it's it's just like pure pith. I uh, mean, it's just it's literally one-liner explosion, one-liner yeah. explosion. That's the whole mm-hmm. movie. But the cast, and I've, I've said this for probably half the movies that we've done, but the cast is so stacked. It's ridiculously overqualified for this movie. Um, there are people in this flick that I didn't even remember when I was listing off all of the people. Like Danny Trejo, I yep. did not remember was in this movie. Uh, I forgot about Ving Rhames somehow yep. being in this movie. It was amazing. Uh, and ultimate, John Malkovich... It's well, his best role. It's his best role. I think. I think well, so, too. Well, maybe, yes. ma- maybe second to playing himself. In being John Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Okay. It could be a sleepwalk role for him, too. But he's fucking amazing. He's so good. And Lex, you're an actual professional actor. What, mm-hmm. what, do, you, what do you think when you watch uh, John Malkovich, um, you know, m- master thespian, playing Cyrus the virus. Well, it's amazing. I can't, I will agree that it's, it's my favorite performance of his. Um, he, it's funny because there's, I mean, like you, he, he plays it like there's somehow a balance of, of menace and, and a sense of humor, which I guess is maybe could be true of just the movie in general. Like yeah. he, he does, he plays 
a crazy person with values. I'm sure we'll get to. He has he has values. Like he's not judging. He's not sitting there as an actor and being like, okay, Cyrus the virus is like an evil man, right? And so I'm gonna make him really you know like gruff and terrible and mean. He he's like, oh, this is like he's the smartest guy in the room. Um, he does have a sense of humor. He's about to pull off the greatest you know heist or whatever plane hijacking in history, and he's like blithely going about his his duties and. That's like a really interesting choice. I don't know if somebody else would have made. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, I, part of that is from just training as an actor and like making cool choices. Right. Well, yeah, because he's not like a tough guy actor. And so he plays the role very like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Airy is a good word. Like he, he's, um, I, I mean, he, he's almost kind of effeminate. But it's so menacing. And he constantly, yeah, he constantly looks like he's like, the wheels are turning in his head. He's like uh, one or three or five steps ahead of everyone. And everything is a little bit of a joke to him because nothing matters in a, in a sense. Or that, or, or that chaos is like his, he's very comfortable in it. And, um, and he, I feel like John Malkovich conveys all of that through this role that could be a, a nothing like to the closest analog that comes to my head immediately is uh, Dennis Hopper in speed. Dennis Hopper is <clears throat> specializes in being unhinged and there, and he's like, it, it's a, to- he's it's, a specialist. <laughs> if he's a specialist in anything, <laughs> it's that, but, um, but there, there's less, there's less layers. I think to that. As much as I love Dennis Hopper, there's less layers in a performance like that. Where as this is like, I don't know, like he's he's magnetic. I'd watch John Malkovich play this role all day. Yeah, he's not, uh, he's not playing like a big bad. There's, he's a, a thinking man sociopath. Right, and and that's a, another thing that I just love about this movie is it's like a purely ensemble movie like he is like the bad guy but everyone has a memorable character like and and actually the introduction except to do with diabetes his whole character is having diabetes baby oh <laughs> oh uh since i was watching last night with a nurse and an emt they were an ent they both made sure to tell me to tell you guys that that's not how diabetes works <laughs> I, really i go never could have guessed a long time without your insulin. Um, so you don't like start losing motor function after like five hours. Oh, okay. What what does Malkovich say? He's like, you have been near death this whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently that's not how diabetes works. (laughs) Poor baby. O. actually, where he's like mopping the floor and Nick Cage hands him like a, one of those like pink little Debbie things through the, and he's Mm -hmm. like, he's like, there's this guy in here, baby. O. He loves those pink coconut things. He sure does love them. And I just, I've seen this movie a million times, but I always, I forget about his character and his introduction. He looks kind of like, um, it, 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 it has like echoes of the green mile or something where I'm like, ugh. he, his character exists just to give Nick Cage a reason to stay on the plane. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's, and it. to show that he's a really good guy. Yeah. He's a U.S. Marshal. Yeah. Never leave a man behind. That's right. Or a woman. I was wondering, Baby O confused me because it, when we meet him, and I guess I imagine we'll go through the flick in order, but when yeah. we meet him, 
and it seems like Nick Cage doesn't know him. And then by the end of their term, they're, they're, they've been roommates. So, like, do you get to pick your roommate in prison after a couple, like, yeah. like after a couple years? Yeah, I wonder that, too. They, they also get to, they get to sit next to each other on the plane and everything. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't know. That's a rough prison, though. There's <laughs> I, that shot where the well, camera... If you're in the North Block, it could be rough. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. As we learn. Right. Where, uh, where Billy Bedlam is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, All the names for the, like, like psychopath criminals are dude, awesome, too. Dude, can we just go through them? Cyrus the Virus. We have mm-hmm. fucking... Um, here, I actually wrote this down. And my the, the introduction to these characters... Like, I love ensemble films, like crime flicks and stuff where, like... With a bunch of like clearly delineated characters, and this movie like they're like it's so clear like who the bad guys are, including like that guard, like the shitty guard, and like the good guards, and like everybody like you get a really clear picture of them, and you have all these great character actors doing doing good work, Um, and they're introduced in like that weird I can't remember if it's sitting in or singing in the rain or what, but where there's like it's like that weird fashion show where they're like. This guy is yeah. the virus. Here are his stats. Yeah, it's per- it's <laughs> perfect because you like I I I love it so much because it it just like lays out for you like who all the bad guys are and yeah what their special like things are. So I, we got Billy Bedlam who is kind of the most boring of them. He's just like a, a mean white guy who uh, killed a lot of people. Then we have uh, Ving Rhames as Diamond Dog, the former general of the Black Gorillas. Another thing that probably wouldn't fly now. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, also, he, is he a Bowie fan? He, he recently wrote the book Reflections in a Diamond Eye, which New York Times called a wake-up call for the black community. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're looking for Den, uh, to Denzel for the movie. We have Cyrus the Virus Grissom, who likes to brag he's killed more men than cancer. Uh, he's killed 11 men in prison, which isn't, I mean... It's, it's, I mean, cancer. Are are you unimpressed by that number? I just think. Do you think you could do better, Dave? It's harder to kill people in prison. True. Than it is to kill them out in the free world. Yeah, and, and it says that he's also done kidnapping, robbery, murder, and extortion. So I I don't know, but John Cusack. John Cusack is in this movie. Um, describes him as a poster child for the criminally insane and a true product of the system. I'd like to, a quick detour, something that I think is really interesting about this movie that I didn't think about as a child is that um, it's politically, uh, it's, it's kind of like left-leaning, in, whereas a lot of action movies are, are pretty right-leaning. Like, so do you think ultimately it's speaking for rehabilitation? I think so. I mean, I mean that that's a that's a gross oversimplification. I mean, it, it's speaking for making money and blowing stuff up, but it, it's I, I think it. So you don't think there's any deeper meaning <laughs> behind like destroying the Vegas Strip? Well, or <laughs> well, <laughs> I think like Colm Meany's character is like clearly that clearly the asshole. Also, he was at the height of Miles O'Brien at this time what, as well. What's that? His, his role on Star Trek. See, I'm not a do Star not, Trek Oh fan. my god, dude, that's how I know him. Really? Yeah, he played that role for like, I don't know, across two series for like 10 years or something like that. Is he an asshole in that too? No, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. He Sorry. Ma- anyway. He makes a really good asshole. In yeah, this. he does. But, yeah, he does. But his whole like thing is like, these animals, like it doesn't matter. And John Cusack's like, 
you know, like, no, they're products of the system. And we have this guy on the inside who, you know, he's okay. It's anti-war on drugs, which like there's the DEA, the DEA is fucked up. And the DEA agent who's on board, like, he's like, I'm a DEA agent. And they're like, oh, so you're the most corrupt person on this plane. And I was like, oh, I, like, I could not figure out why the DEA, the DEA was the, the apartment that was involved in this for whatever reason. Be- like, because I the, this isn't that clear in the movie because <laughs> I think because in filming, because uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, also, it doesn't matter in, in filming a relevant sequence to this. Uh, I think a dude actually died. So they might've like, uh, ended up not having the, as much, uh, footage for this story point as was necessary. But they're like, when they, when the plane stops in wherever they're supposed to pick up, uh, they, they pick up the, the dude who's connected to like the Mexican drug cartel, so, like, the DEA has its dude planted on the plane to talk to the drug dude when he gets on the plane to try and get That's information right. from yeah. him. Now but, I do actually remember them yeah, explaining it, that. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Anyway, it's anti-war on drugs. It's uh, pro-rehabilitation. So I just thought that was nice. But um, going back to the, the, the roll call, we have Dave Chappelle. As Pinball Parker. That's right. I forgot. I'm trying to remember what his name was. Pin, pinball, pinball Parker. Pinball Parker. Um, right. Armed robber, arsonist, and dope fiend. He introduces himself. <laughs> and I don't know how much of his dialogue Dave Chappelle wrote, but he's really funny in this. I think he, I re- remember seeing an interview uh, with him about it, and he, I, he said that he improvised almost all of it. That, that it makes, does feel very Dave Chappelle. It doesn't, you know. Yeah. It like when the the guard says that it smells like someone's shit in his mouth, and he goes, "He told me he loved me." <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> it's one of, one of the funniest moments. And we have Johnny Twenty Three. Um, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, uh, Mira. Un- but if they knew, they would call me Johnny a hundred. That's right. Which is important later when you see his arm get fucking ripped off. <laughs> and we have swamp- spoilers dave spoilers <laughs> and we have swamp thing who this is the one thing i really don't understand is they're like who cares about the pilot like let's kick the pilot off and then they get this other dude on the plane who's like i'm the pilot now i can fly and no like- he had always been part of the plan though because he Was immediately he? goes in and rips out the transformer and right Chappelle goes so, like that was always part of the they, they were going to pick him up and he was going to fly the okay plane. so they knew ahead of yeah, they must have Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Garland Green, um, Steve Buscemi, the Marietta Mangler, who butchered 30-something people up and down the eastern seaboard. And one girl, he drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. I used to say that line a lot after I first watched that movie. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one and Define Irony, which we'll get to, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so uh, I love that introduction. I love these characters. Um, uh, I will say that the thing that I remember really hating about this movie, the only thing that I hate about this movie is the song choice of How Do I Live? So apparently that was uh, 
nominated for an Oscar for best song from a film and also nominated for a Razzie for worst song from a film. It seems it, about right. It didn't win either of I them, just, unfortunately. It's, but. it's so on the nose and so <laughs> yeah. schmaltzy and so awful. And it happened, like, first, like, the movie opens and there's, like, stock footage of war. Oh, like, my just God. general war okay, yeah. so for a minute. The, the marshals. <laughs> when we watched it, with, uh, with me and the, the friends that I was with, we bought it off iTunes and there was some setting that I, we apparently it was just on that like made it everything French. So, <laughs> so we watched like the first 10 minutes of the movie in French. And it's really funny seeing that like opening monologue like in French, knowing what it actually says, because it's the, like the most American like chest beating like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the whole point is just uh, they have to. I guess this was a big thing that Nick Cage was really focused on getting into the script was like, why does he stay on the plane? So they're like, U.S. Marshals, known for their motto, no, never leave a man behind. Now you Marshals have graduated here for never leaving men behind, <laughs> and you're so proud. Now, and, <laughs> and then he goes right to that bar on the bayou. Where wh- that horrible song starts immediately after he graduates. Like, immediately. Get through a night in this, without you. This, like, rough and tumble, like, backwoods bar is playing this song. What kind of life would... Yeah, it's it's a bar on the bayou right next to, like, an oil refinery. (laughs) It's, like, (laughs) shooting flames into the air. And he immediately gets there. He's like, oh, hummingbird, here I am. And and that dude's dude's like, I'm going to rape your wife, basically. (laughs) Like a cartoonish bad guy comes. After he's talking to his wife's uterus, she's, like, eight minutes pregnant. No sign... Of a baby at all. Yeah, I don't know how he had time time to impregnate her. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I, I think maybe he he landed, they they fucked, he impregnated her, then he walked out, then he walked back in. He was jailed three months before Casey, the daughter, was born. Right. So assuming it takes what? A cup like two months to to from killing a guy with your bare hands to get convicted. Right. Two months at at least. Like, it would be a long time. I don't know. Like, so either, I I, I can't, I don't know. I'm sure I tried to do the math. I went to high school. I wasn't good at the math. She looks like she's like five or something when he gets out, but I thought he was in jail for like... The chronology of this. Eight years. Because because his body is a weapon. birthday. Remember on July 14th? Oh, we should have waited four days to record this. Oh, fuck. (laughs) You can release this on the 14th. Yeah, Mm, I can. My podcast is being released on (laughs) July 14th. I can't wait to see you. You'll come home on July 14th and listen to my podcast on July 14th. The direction they must have gotten. Oh, I'm sorry. We're we're skipping it. No, that's fine. We always do this. He cleans the floor with three dudes like yeah. three menacing to who he's in uniform by oh yeah the way. they're antagonizing this man they ripped his medals off <laughs> all of his like patches i don't know they're, they're flags there's a name for it and i don't know what they are Uh-oh. decoration decoration his decorations right off of his jacket and then he cleans the floor with them and then he does that Oh yeah, he, he, he like st- he like shoves the dude's jawbone like into his brain, <laughs> his nose, some <laughs> so 
some mythological move where you can like puncture a person's brain right. with their car- nose cartilage. And but to, I, be, to be fair, his wife is telling him to get in the car. Maximum, maximum violence immediately. Maximum violence immediately. He just goes. Well, he yeah. goes straight from zero to like you know impaling his brain on his nose bone. <laughs> like there's no well, in between. There's a history because she says right away she's like she's like you, know, oh, yeah. you were almost you were almost that guy again. Yeah. I love that also, by the way. I, I think that that, like, in, in uh, this is my praise that might not be warranted for the movie, uh, the checking myself, but I, I really think that that is, like, good characterization with, like, a little bit of a line. It's like, okay, they have a history. Nick Cage has a history of being uh, irrational, maybe violent. I don't know, but he's changed. These guys push him too fucking far. He's a good guy, but... You know, he just and and this is what he needs to learn because he he goes to jail and he he can't be that guy anymore. He has to be a good guy for Hummingbird, and for and for Baby Casey. Wait, what's her actual it, name? It, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> See, <laughs> it doesn't matter. She's his Hummingbird. Yeah, but it did remind me of your pod about uh, it could happen to you because mm-hmm. like beyond that one throw or that one line that I feel is sort of throwaway exposition and you feel is very important. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very weighted. Besides, you were almost that guy again. He's like unequivocally good. Yeah. No, he's perfect. He's a, like, he's a saint. No bad thing. Boy Scout. He uh, admits guilt yeah. immediately. His lawyer tells him he's only going to get three or four years. Yeah. He gets seven to ten. Because his body After is a weapon. Guilty. His body is a lethal weapon. His body weapon. is a lethal weapon. <laughs> I want to I want to talk to a lawyer about if that ever happens and like what the legality of that judgment is. Like yeah, because it, you have certain training you are your your body is considered a weapon. He like, came at him with a knife. True. Yeah. So, I mean it was I mean it, it was, was pure self defense. Pure self defense. And he gets punished just because he's good at fighting. Like and especially especially a marshal too. They're not US gonna, Marshall come on decorated. Now. Yeah, I, but the people I was watching with it, like as soon they had never seen it, so I was very excited for them to see this uh-huh. and nervous. But like as soon as as soon as the fight happened, they're like, No cop in the world. No cop yeah, in right. the world. But this was pre nine eleven, you guys, so we don't know what like the climate yeah, was, world was different. Military, maybe. Uh, here's a here's a little piece from uh, the the book. Um, to develop his character, Nick took inspiration from his childhood in Long Beach. He said it was just a way for me to be able to realize a character that had been lurking around in the back of my mind that I wanted to see come to life. In my neighborhood, when I was growing up, there were these guys who had the long hair and they were really ripped and they wore the tank tops and worked on their Chevelles outside and drank beer. They looked like the kind of guys you did not want to get into a fight with. So I have a sort of affection for these characters and I wanted to bring to life this man who may or may not exist, the pure essence of the trailer park badass who actually has a sensitive side, loves his family, and is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He also said, um, in, it's same as The Rock, that he wanted a character who was spiritual and believed in God. And, uh, and it, unlike The Rock, that actually comes through in this movie. Well, I, I have a note about that when yeah. we get to it, because that, that struck me this yeah. time going it, through Yeah, it. it's actually a thing. He proves to Baby O that God exists. Um, so, Oh go yeah, ahead. no, no, please. Oh no. So they get to jail. He gets, he gets convicted. Yep. Everybody's shocked. And then he and his little, or, and I guess his little girl are directed by what's his name? Simon West. Simon, so, yeah. Simon, Simon West. 
uh, directed to like deliver the most deadpan, like unemotional, flat, like recitation of these letters that they're writing to one another. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which that in in combination with his accent is almost makes makes this montage almost unbearable to watch. God, I love it. Like it's bad. I love it. It's so bad. (laughs) What is he? did, Did you take any notes on that part, Lex? No, no, I literally wrote deadpan recital voiceover of letters. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, you have to go to school. I hope you go back to first grade. I knew a guy like that guy. He was Scotty Dalton. Like, <laughs> little Scotty yeah. Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lil Scotty Dalton. He's in jail learning Spanish and origami. <laughs> he's really bettering himself. He I wrote, makes a crane. <laughs> yeah, that flops its wings. I wrote down uh, Dear Hummingbird. Break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, and tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Because this boy's coming home to his ladies. Coming home forever. (laughs) 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 Also, he... He didn't meet his daughter. He's never met his daughter because he didn't want to meet her in a prison waiting room. He was like, not around these these animals, <laughs> which feels really fucking arbitrary and weird to me. Like he's so his daughter means so much to him. But he's like, no, it has everything has to be perfect. I'm not going to see your face for five years and you're going to be without a father except for letters because there will Eight. be. Eight years, eight years, mm-hmm. because there will be, <laughs> be other bad people around here looking at me. There's a weird uh, drawing on the cell wall of Jesus, like a really scary Wait, okay. monster. I, I noticed that Jesus too. Behind him. <laughs> really? Is there any explanation? Yeah, is there any explanation really for that? Strange. He sits, he like hops up on the desk to talk to Babyo, and like behind <laughs> him, looming over his left shoulder, is like a creepy eyeless crowned Jesus drawing <laughs> that he might have drawn himself. That's that's a, or she had Casey might have sent it to him. I right. don't know. Yeah. They're oh. both bettering themselves through their letters. So it's hard to know. Apparently. Um, yeah, but so he gets he, he gets out of jail. It's time for him to go home. And Baby O is being transferred to another prison. So they're leaving together. And, mm-hmm. um, best friends. They're best, best friends. Best friends. And uh, they, they get on just the wrong flight. Baby O needs his insulin. The jailbird, the j- by the way. The, jail. the jailbird is the name N- of the plane. Sweet bird of freedom. I, I didn't understand why if he needed insulin. He's like, they didn't give me my shot last night. And yeah. she's like, oh, we'll get it on the flight. I'm like, why didn't they give him his shot last night? That seems irresponsible. Yeah. Don't they know that without insulin, uh, diabetics drop dead? <laughs> Instantly, <laughs> right away. Two hours. Oh, no, we're introduced in that same sort of montage to John Cusack. And the first image we see are these like sandals, these like <laughs> amazing in, with socks in like in the desert. But like these incredible, very like 90s elaborate sandals, like stomping, stomping through the, the, the tarmac. Well, he's yeah, his way. he's the crunchy, like uh, liberal um, guy who uh, is a comparison to Colmini's uh, 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 fucking red meat and potatoes with the sports car. With Who parks in the handicap spot like immediately right. to show what a bad guy he is. With the license plate that says as kicker with Z's. It's just <laughs> like perfection. 
<laughs> and and uh, during this whole introduction um, of of all the important characters, we get the famous shot of Nick Cage exiting the bus, his hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> I um, wrote that down. He closes his eyes and, and like just and like looks up into the sun. Yeah, as if he smiling. He, he hasn't himself. seen he hasn't seen the sun in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he, he like, by the way, and then he like starts right away, like antagonizing the cons when he's like on the plane. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. The, like like the, right away. He's like, oh, goody. Like, good for you. And he's very shitty to them. Yeah. So did, did eight years in prison not teach you to just like sit down and shut up? So Danny Trejo actually, who has been in prison, actually said that that this is the uh, the most uh, unrealistic part of the movie. He he says he says I mean they're all killers, and you're not going to disrespect a killer like these characters do. The reality is, in prison, you find the politest people in the world. If I know you're a killer, I'm going to say excuse me a lot, <laughs> and it's true. Killers are all like yeah, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> like as if that's not going to matter. The guard. Um, who was a genius, I think, because he says it, uh, there's like some line about like, Oh, what's the in-flight movie? And he's like, it's preceded by the award-winning short. Like, uh, he's, shut it, the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I'm pretty sure I wrote this down. It's a worldly guard. It, oh, it's i uh, I'll, I'll never make love to a woman on the beach again, preceded by the award-winning, uh, short, no more steak for me ever. <laughs> Right. This is like right after he called somebody a Nazi muffin. Yeah, I wrote that great, down too. A great line. Gag and bag this Nazi muffin. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. We have a lot of Nazis in the news today, and nobody has once called any of them a Nazi muffin. No. I feel like that's a lost opportunity as well. Yeah, we should be. <laughs> but just so we know, this is a plane full of bad guys. Yes. Uh, so they, so, so they're, now they're all on the plane. Oh, there was a lady guard on the bus that we didn't talk about. Bishop. Who, she, yeah, Bishop who, okay. So Nick Cage has this, uh, photograph of Casey, his daughter right. with him and he shows it to her and she, she says something like, like, now that's, that's like a, that's like you, what you got there is a real reason to rehabilitate. Or right. Something right. Like that, right. So like that, like. She she plays like an important role at some point. Well, but, uh, so, I, so I forgot she was on the plane. Nick Cage, uh, the actor, created this character actually because he thought his his character was you know needed more like chivalrous you know a, more reason to stay on the plane and uh, <laughs> so he he, he created just like Baby O was. Created. And, and you can tell because for like forty five minutes she's just like not. I forgot that she was yeah. even on the plane until she like pops up. She, again. I'm she's like, ah. she's just bait for Johnny twenty three. Like she's just mm-hmm. there to have the threat of her Johnny one hundred. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny one hundred. If you really knew, Dave. <laughs> but. You get the idea. So they're on the plane. The plane sort of starts like taxiing on the runway and already the cons are beginning their their like elaborate escape plan of like pulling straight pins out of yeah. their hands. So they, there's like a thorough pat down before. Oh, right. Where, of course, Colmini puts a gun back. In right. The, in so the, that, there's a lot of there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, um, there's a lot of threads, but yeah, the DEA agent, uh, Cole, John Cusack does not want him to bring a gun onto his plane. Cole Meany sneaks it into his ankle cuff anyway, or into his sock. And, you know, I, I don't know how the fuck this guy 
I don't, know, I don't know how the DEA operates. I don't know what kind of people they hire, but this man did not conduct himself professionally and uh, should not He's have had a gun. Sweating profusely. Yeah, very sweaty. As soon as he steps onto the plane, he's terrified to be there. I mean, he like he might as well be pulling at his collar. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Maybe they'll discover me. Hey, yeah, and, and hello, fellow cons. To say that like not even the guards on the plane know that he's undercover. Right. Like, nobody knows. Yeah, but he's so he's- obvious. But like, so they start, they start like, so Dave Chappelle, uh, the arsonist is like, he's, I remember that, but like, that is an image that I, I remember from being a kid. He's like, pulls the string yeah. out of his mouth. He pulls like, like a condom this, out of his mouth. Like this incendiary liquid fluid. Like kerosene like, or something. In his, in his stomach. But this is all happening. The plane hasn't even taken off yet. They don't even like wait to get into the sky before like staging their mutiny. Sweet bird of freedom. Got it. <laughs> like, right. Like they, so anyway. yeah, Dave, Dave Chappelle uh, says like an incredibly offensive string of insults to the native American gentleman next to him and yes. <laughs> sprays, sprays him with kerosene <laughs> and, uh, and, and lights him on fire. Sets a man on fire. The last Mohican is burning, he says. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that, chaos ensues. Yeah, it gives distraction for uh, John Malkovich and Ving Rhames to bust out and uh, take over. During which the the like med equipment like spills all over the ground and baby and his insulin yeah oh no you're stepping on my insulin hey man get off of my insulin (laughs) I like how they never let you forget that like every 15 minutes they have to remind you that he's dying of like of of a of a shock so they take over the plane Um, these are bad guys and Mm -hmm. the day of the dog begins. They're they're like uh, systematically like freeing all of the prisoners on the plane, mm-hmm. including the DEA, our friend, the DEA agent, right? Who, who recklessly, it, yeah, and start, he immediately gets himself fucking just killed. Well, I, you know, Nick Cage is kind of responsibly like tries to talk down the DEA agent. There's like a standoff. There's a standoff between the DEA agent and Cyrus the virus, the most dangerous man in the world. And Nick Cage is like, hey man, you know, like put down the gun before somebody gets killed. The DEA agent takes uh, Dave Chappelle hostage and uh, (laughs) Cyrus does not care. Uh, (laughs) Oh, big surprise. Yeah, he says says (laughs) says some like really horribly offensive thing. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle's like, hey, man. Yeah, he's like, yeah, well, yeah, he's like, he's like, you didn't mean that. Right. And he's like, give me the gun. And then he gives him. He's like, hell, yes, I meant it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but uh, I know Dave Chappelle had some line about like Ebonics, which is like a very 90s. Right. Like a really 90s thing. He's like, he's like, in Ebonics, he was like, he's like, we're, you know, we're under duress or in Ebonics, we be fucked. Right. 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 Which is, do you remember when they used to, they tried to teach that at school for, at schools for a little bit in the nineties? They tried to teach Ebonics in school? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Connecticut and stuff. Uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, like you could take take French, Spanish or Ebonics? No, it was like a way, I guess, to, I don't know. It was a very misguided, I assume, like I was, you know, in in middle school myself, but like a way to like embrace this other vernacular and like the the culture. And so they taught like a bunch of white kids, like the 
the nuances of Ebonics oh, in, in my in a uh, short-lived program. Yeah, in my private uh, middle school in Portland, Oregon, we skipped over that for some reason. <laughs> I wonder why. It was an elective. <laughs> um, speaking of really 90s moments. Uh, I, Advanced Ebonics. <laughs> yeah. AP Ebonics. I minored in Ebonics. <laughs> I, I wrote that this was a really 1997 thing as when uh, the guard is first introducing them on the plane he says I see I see we have 11 current affairs two hard copies and a genuine Geraldo interviewee <laughs> like, all, all of those uh, things do not exist anymore well except That's Geraldo true. but there's these little moments of uh Nah, never mind. I'll get to it. I, <laughs> Sorry, go on. You know, so uh, in, in talking about the, I guess now is maybe a time to talk about the black characters that, that we have Baby O, we have Dave Chappelle, and uh, we have um, Diamond, uh, Dog. Diamond Dog. And um, it's kind of, kind of offensive. At least, like, Diamond Dog is flesh. He's, he's a rounded character in the low bar of this movie like he but he's still like yeah but all of his backstory just comes from when they announce him anyway and, and his whole characterization mm-hmm. is just that he well, he hates white a, people there's a point where cops. Cage, it's a little bit ahead but there's a point where like they're uh it's like once they've landed in carson city or wherever they are and nick cage is like man you're taking a lot of orders from like a white guy and right. i'm like did he read the book like how does he know yeah i well he's a geraldo <laughs> interviewee <guy>. so <laughs> they all watch geraldo in prison and talking about the politics and political correctness and stuff, I, I do think it's interesting that uh, I, what, what did you guys think of the character of Sally Can't Dance, the trans character? I, there's a moment where I felt like it was an incredibly kind of progressive. Like, I don't want to jump ahead and spoil it. No, yeah, go like, for it. Go for it. There's a there's a moment where uh, she finds a dress in like the luggage and it's like yes and, right. and and then and and puts it on and then is dancing around and then there's a point where Nick Cage like gets up and he's fighting everybody right and he like tries to decide he's got a fist like cocked right and and looks at her and then decides to slap her instead which is like really funny in the moment but I I I, I was like oh she's a woman to him yeah which is like a pretty progressive stance to take well they all I mean like she she's played for laughs throughout the movie like but I do think it's interesting that all the characters treat her as a woman like Mm -hmm. they 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 refer to her as a as a woman and um she goes and puts on a dress and dances around and they're all just like yeah yeah, <laughs> that's, like that's to- that's totally normal. Like we have serious race issues, but uh, she does have a line where she's like, "Ah, men." Right? Yeah that that actor's really good too. I think uh, in this. I mean, again, like, oh, uh, she or the actor he was in. Um, uh, my friend who was watching with me was like, "Oh, he's in Sister Act too. He plays <laughs> Raul." <laughs> He like knew he apparently has been in like a ton of stuff. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to overstate it because it's still like I mean, it's still a, a six lines, a, and it's still played as like a joke. But I, I do think that that's cool. Um, I agree. I this is where I I think we get to put the bunny back in the box. 
think um, you know, cause oh, they're, no. they're, the land, the landing gear is dragging. It, it won't close all the way. No, no, no. We forgot because we had to pick up all those cons. Oh, oh, I missed that. So there's like yeah. a whole, yeah, a whole thing and a firefight and a oh, execution of many cops, like all before. Oh, sorry. Put the bunny back. In all the right, box. some someone else take the wheel. What happens? Miles. Uh, okay, so yeah, so they have to make a stop in Carson City to pick up like ten more cons or right. something. So you know mm-hmm. they they elaborately stage it so they. Uh, they have to this, drop off six of right them. right they have to drop off six cons in carson city and pick up 10 to make it look like there hasn't been a mutiny on the plane right so this is the turning point in the movie where they 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 need volunteers to get off the plane um so initially nick cage says he wants to go mm-hmm. but then uh that's when he thinks that he can cause a big ruckus and get people to notice him so that they'll realize what happened and save everyone but then they uh, bag, bag and gag is that yeah, what they call yeah, it bag yeah. and gag but, but, yeah. but then they, they bag, bag and gag, gag all of the cons that they're uh, transporting off the plane so when Nick Cage realizes he'll be bagged and gagged and won't be able to make a scene uh, he decides to stay to uh, get the insulin I guess yeah. I mean yeah. I don't know he's like, not gonna leave baby O behind he won't trade another man's life for his, except for, I don't know. Except for everyone that dies on the plane. Except for whoever is taking, literally taking his place. Leave the plane. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, anyway, so so they they start to do the drop-off and pick-up. Everything seems like it's going according to plan. No one notices uh, what happened, and they're about to take off. Right, Um, but uh, Nick Cage also put the uh, tape recorder... Right. From the DEA agent, he stuffed it into uh, guard Falzon's shirt. Right. So uh, then they find that and they realize. And they they ha- make a fantastic leap of logic. Yeah. Because the tape is fallen to the ground and is destroyed I, I, upon impact. I love the shot of the tape reel, like rolling down the, the bus, like the aisle in the bus. But for some reason we can hear the tape as it's going. It's like, yeah. that's just, but everything that happens in this movie is like, if something's very important, it happens in like slightly slower motion. Yeah. And that's one of those moments. No, they that's re- how you know it's important. They but, really point out every, like they, they hold your hand a lot. Also, they had the technology. This is 1996 or 1997. They had the technology for like mini cassettes. Yeah. Why do you have a giant reel like, to reel? has like a reel to reel strapped <laughs> to his chest. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but cool. <laughs> um, also, I should I remember um, all these all these like other cons get on the plane and they're all like high fiving each other. So like, is there like do all the cons like know each other like across federal prisons or something? They're I all, like, think greeting that, each other warmly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that they had this planned so they like knew who was gonna be there. Well, no, uh, well, right, and had already well, talked maybe. to each I other. Don't know. The guys who get on the plane are like, hey, they took the plane. They took the plane. Yeah, all but right. but the guy that gets on and takes the con that gets on and takes the Swamp place thing. of the pilot Swamp Thing. He definitely was in on. Because he, he, yeah. he immediately Side pulls note, the tr- Yeah. He's a friend of my dad knows him or knew him. They were buds. Wait. Really? What? Something. That's crazy. Yeah. My dad, like, I mean, I, and I mentioned that this was happening to my dad and he was like, oh yeah, I haven't talked to him in years, but apparently he's a really nice guy. Seems really nice. 
he seems he's really good. He's like really funny. Everything he does is like with delight. Like yeah. he's like pulling out the transformer and he's like hijacking a plane with this like smile on his face. It's yeah. like a really charming. Was he was he in anything else? Yeah, I'm sure. I yeah. don't know what. All right. Since this is the most important movie that, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we had nothing yeah. else that matters. Uh, anything else he did. Unless it's another Nick Cage movie. Yeah, he'll always be Swamp Thing to the world. Except for his kids, probably. Um. <laughs> they also, they pick up Cyrus at this stop. Do they? Oh. No. no. They pick up Garland, Garland Green. Different time? Yeah. Garland Green. Yeah, Garland Green. Green. And also the, uh, the drug lord, the South American drug lord right. as well. I don't know his name. Oh, yeah. There's like a tiny, they're waiting, like it's something waiting to be refueled or something. Something is supposed to happen that doesn't happen. Right. So, so they're, so they pick up the, the, uh, the connection for the drug lord and he's going, or maybe it is the drug lord. I don't totally know. And there's, then they're going to go to this, uh, small air, airstrip where there's going to be a small, like, prop plane that is going to take them someone somewhere i i mean yeah, I it's not big enough to whatever the plane is that cyrus is like hey that's my plane right could not have fit all those guys in it yeah so it's, it's it, a little muddy it seems like there might be a double cross there that ended yeah. up not happening because they got double crossed there mm-hmm. and this is also where people start to become suspicious of nick of cat of nick's case of cameron poe cameron poe can i just say that the double cross over the double cross seems to be a recurring theme in many, many cage movies that yeah, we've watched. Wh- what did they, what did they say in Deadfalls? Like, uh, the, like cons on cons, like ultimate, the ultimate con, the ultimate con. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this was like a quadruple cross that, uh, mm-hmm. um, Nick Cage spends like 45 minutes trying to find a needle right for insulin. <laughs> Wait, for so- okay. I have a serious issue with the sequence, not with what actually happens. Cause it looks fucking awesome. Are you talking, you're talking about right. when, the, when they land at the airstrip and they're, he's looking for the needle. Yeah. 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 So, so the sequence, there's all this crazy shit happening. There's like cons double crossing each other. <laughs> so much there's, going there's, on. there's like a plane blowing up. They're pulling the, they're pulling the big plane out. Yeah. And then, and there's like a thing with the crane and then like John yeah, Cusack, like Richard, right? Richard right. Scarry's busy town. Yeah. Vehicles. <laughs> like there's like a plow. But like then, and, and then, and then, jo- and then John Cusack is like, is like speeding down the highway in Colmini's car right. to like try to get there in time to stop them. So all this is going on and it's insanely action packed. There's a bunch of crazy shit happening. It's super fun to watch. You're really entertained. And then they'll do like cuts where Nick Cage is like sliding through the like, uh, you know, the, the like guard house and trying to like tear up like first aid kits, right. like, looking for needles and stuff. And it just seems, and then you'll see like behind him in the background, like something else blows up. <laughs> like, I just feel like this whole scene is like a bunch of shit happening. And then like Nick Cage, like doing something else the whole trying time. Trying to find a needle. Yeah. I mean, oh it- wait, I, I just realized this isn't even the same stuff. No, but no. it's fine. This it's difference. This is okay. It's yeah. fine. There's a lot going on. Yeah. This is already after uh, Cyrus calls Green a national treasure. Yes. Right. Cat, Which cat I, I literally leapt. I jumped up and I was like, national <laughs> treasure. And everyone I was watching it with was like, what? And I was like, no, because he did the national the national treasure movies. Don't you know what I'm talking about? And everyone was like, oh. Dude, we just wait for Garland Green to show up in the third one. He is the ultimate national treasure that Nick Cage is looking for. <laughs> he is. He's, 
<laughs> he knew it all along. Uh, yeah. Oh, and he said that. Yeah, because we're missing. We, we. I'm sorry. I feel like this is my fault. We skipped like all the Garland Green intro. Uh, like he's like wheeled out like Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. Lecter. Yeah. They. You know that they were just mask. like, let's have Hannibal Lecter on the plane too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then Cyrus says that he's a fan of his work, but like Cyrus has also said that like he hates rapists. It's like somewhere right. in between like bacteria or whatever the, and the, the white crusty stuff that um, comes to the corner of your mouth when you're thirsty. Right. Great line. But, but apparently pedophilia is okay. Like I don't. Is, well, is Garland Green a, a pedophile? No. Like, so it, I, I, they really want us to think They so. want us to think that, but they don't say that when at That's any true. point before he sits down with the little girl. And it, he says one girl I drove through three states wearing right, her head right. as a hat, but you know, I mean, maybe she was over 18. <laughs> maybe there was they, no sex like, involved. Yeah. Also, but, like, in between these two airplane stops, John Cusack has, like, met with Cameron's wife right. and daughter. And it's sort of explaining in great detail in front of this eight-year-old girl on her birthday that, like, he's trapped on a plane with all <laughs> these, like, serial killers and rapists and stuff. It's very sh- inexplicable yeah but. she's never met him though you know she's, that's right he's, he's just some the dude exact men he was trying to keep from her yeah yeah so yeah, so they make the leap of logic from the reel-to-reel tape falling out uh and unraveling and the fact that nick cage is their ally on the plane so then there's this whole thing where like cusack's like trying to figure out a way to like get in touch with him so that they could give him like covert instructions uh, right and then and then they're trying right. to figure out like where the plane is headed right because uh, they pulled the transponder out and put so, it into the the little tourist <laughs> yeah. the tourist plane wait so it's amazing that they knew that that was right. going to be there and taking off at the same time also but, but. i i like to tie as as doing a podcast of this nature tends to facilitate really easily. I like to do tie-ins uh, and and make like uh, circles uh, mm-hmm. that aren't there. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. you know when they have like the flight helicopters coming in, mm-hmm. like over the over the desert to like, dude. That was like a scene out of Firebirds. It's Firebirds. I'm like, I wonder if any of the uh, any of the like uh, you know copter pilots like also worked on this movie that worked on firebirds <laughs> you know the the loop that i that i want to talk about is um so this is where cyrus does want him to go down and check out the landing gear um which is maybe my favorite one-liner where nick cage says well i'll get to see some real nice scenery whipping by down there trees and stuff <laughs> <laughs> i wrote that too <laughs> wrote that which too. like isn't even a one-liner but well, but I, it was to me in high school when I sampled it for a rap song that I did with my friend. Uh, can we get that? Yeah, is this a thing? I, I can. I, I can ask. Uh, I can ask my friend if he has it. Uh, one of one of my favorite lines happens at the strip as well, where uh, Ving Rhames like is like, "Hee haw! What are you thinking?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." Hee-haw. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, hee-haw. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, hi, Garland, on the plane. Also, there's right. like this moment where he, he's like, just, they're to like, like Poe and Baby O are chatting and like, like the camera pans and Garland is just like leering at them. Right. Well, and, and, and he's yeah. just like, hi, Garland. I, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes down below to check out the landing gear. Billy Bedlam is down there or no there, no that's a different it. point i'm getting it mixed up it's no, some, he, they're down there together oh no no because no, no, he's down there no with it's two different points because right. then because then uh B- billy bedlam finds the note from his daughter right later and, on and, and he and he impales after. him on a on a fucking uh pipe Something. 
and says, put the, <clears throat> put the bunny back in the box, which is great. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a great fucking See, line. Yeah. All the bunny stuff uh, still gets The, the bunny is great. Yeah. Um, With the- also, Nick Cage's idea. That, that was completely his invention. So credit. Um, oh, good. But uh, the bunny. It's like iconic. That's yeah. like the line of this Why movie. didn't you put the bunny back in the box? He, Dave, but he's Dave Chappelle written, is caught in the in the landing gear. Right. So he's with see, a shar- a sharpie in his pocket for some reason. Yeah. So he writes on Dave Chappelle where the the plane is actually going, drops him out of the plane, and he lands on Major Briggs from Twin Peaks's car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, with great like uplifting music. Yeah. That's a great little mini uh, short film there. Yes, it really is. And, and it's almost that, that whole scene seems like almost an afterthought because they didn't need to drop. I mean, they, they didn't need to show him hitting the ground and they certainly didn't need to show him hitting a car, which then causes like a four car pile up, which then like turns, I mean, it's like they had like, like you know a quarter of a million dollars left over and they were like god we should just use this on like another scene and they were like oh let's make as much damage as possible happen in yeah, like 10 there, seconds there hasn't been but enough we, stuff just being destroyed in the last stretch but you get like a real nice like cgi 90s green screen like several seconds of dave Chappelle like Falling. flying through the air totally I, that <laughs> before whole he makes impact I mean, that, that sequence really uh, speaks to, um, to uh, what's his name? Simon West's commercial directing, because it, like it feels like a Budweiser commercial, <laughs> just with more death. <laughs> like, like instead of a body, it would be like a case of beer. Yeah, and instead of a four-car pileup, everyone would just have a party. Have a party in the middle of the street, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also, there's mention right before this, this is when, like, uh, first of all, Comini uh, says something like, there's a no hostage clause on the plane and that all the convicts know that. And I don't right. know what that could mean or why they would care about it. Like, what could a no hostage clause mean? Well, here's here's an interesting little tidbit. So um, in preparing for this role, uh, Nick Cage visited Folsom Prison which, because uh, of course he did, because it's romantic. But he, he had to sign a hostage release form agreeing that if the prisoners took him hostage while he was in there, the police and prison guards weren't going to like bargain for his life. I guess you have to do that. So he, he went into the prison yard and um, was like doing autographs for people and, and meeting people. And I guess he was talking to this one gang more than any other gang. So this other gang got jealous and came up and stabbed a dude while he was like talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) And they, they had to like get him out of the, get Nick cage out of there real fast. And he says, he says that for two days afterwards, he sat in a bath because he was so freaked out. And, uh, and then he came up to Jerry Bruckheimer after talking to the prisoners, he came up to him and he said, okay, I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a cross between Elvis and Greg Allman. <laughs> she is. I don't, I didn't detect any Elvis. Really? Oh, see, I think there's always Elvis in well, the yeah, cases roles. Well, I didn't detect any additional Elvis. Any like okay, Southern, any like right Southern draw, like I think for Nick Cage just it's actually just automatically Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. yeah. That's is how this I- how they 
really speak in Alabama because my I don't uh, my pals watching were like, oh, it sounds like Forrest Gump, who's also from Alabama, and I was like, huh, like maybe that's just how they talk there. Well, a I don't <laughs> I don't know I don't actually know anyone from Alabama, but also secondarily, like I don't trust any Nick Cage accent to be representative of where that of like of how that accent actually sounds. I've never heard anyone praise Nick Cage for the like veracity of his accents. Like the elocution. Yeah. I, verisimilitude. I, that's yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> he, I don't think he did any research in that. No, no, he did. He spent well, time in Alabama. Really? And he still got it wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Again, I don't know how wrong it is. I'm assuming it's wrong. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's he, exactly right. He got it right for me. Fun of him. That's true. Um, and for millions of Americans for years, decades. Yeah. Yeah, I love Cameron Poe, you guys. I I I got to say I, halfway through this movie, I had to uh this is this is a really LA story for you. Um I I had to uh go and get my aura photographed and I was like late cuz I was so sucked into this movie and I didn't want to miss my aura photograph. So I I got into my car and I swear to God, I was like driving and feeling like Cameron Poe. I was like, <laughs> I was like, let's get this sweet bird. Gotta get that aura photograph. Like, sweet bird of freedom. Um, Do you think that your aura's photograph is reflective of that of that mindset? Like, do you think there's some Cameron Poe aura? In yeah, it's aura it, photo? it's weird. Actually, above me in the photograph, it's just Nick Cage with his hands spread out like Jesus, and it says, <laughs> <laughs> "This is how do I breathe without you?" Like, just written in smoke. Um, this is worth it, Miles. You don't have to keep that in, but you can if you. Oh, I'm definitely going to. Please keep it in. It's necessary. Um, well, who, um, hooray for the sounds of motherfucking silence. Oh, uh, yes, I love that. So, hooray. Also, they didn't go We're with all- sounds of Cyrus. Come on. No, they didn't. They, no, they didn't. Like, that's, it's just, that's asking for it. But they did go, Cy, Anara. <laughs> Greatest fake in all of movie history. <laughs> Malkovich still pulls it off. There, oh, there, there's there's one point where uh, Baby O asks what's wrong with Garland Green, and <laughs> Poe is like, my first thought would be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, um, not a smart man. Garland Green's got some good quotes, too, that you, you, I, you were talking about one before that my favorite one is, he's a font of misplaced rage, like name your cliche, mother held him too much or not enough, late night sneaky uncle, and now he's so angry, moments of levity actually cause him pain. Happiness for that gentleman hurts. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. poetry. It's poetry. Poetry. During this exchange, John Cusack actually like makes contact with, with Cyrus the virus. Right. And it's the first in a series of like headset slams that we get from him <laughs> in this movie where he angrily tears off his earpiece and slams it to a desk. He, he, he slams it down when uh, John Malkovich says, nothing could be sadder than the ancient lost his bladder in the airplane. <laughs> Cusack's like, no! <laughs> had enough. Don't you sing to me. There's also, um, oh, and it's also, like, the first instance of, like, wailing, like, soaring guitar music. Okay. Yo, so dude that that joined Yes and co-wrote Owner of a Lonely Heart. He did the score for this? Co-composed this. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, the guitar player. 
Oh my God. The score for this movie is perfect too. It, it's so, it, it's that, it's got the wailing guitar. It's got that like, bum, 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 bum thing going on. And then it's got that Trisha Yearwood song. Like the thing is, if you just listen to the soundtrack, you wouldn't even have to see the movie. Close your eyes and you, you are just... Cameron Poe. <laughs> How do I breathe without you? How do I breathe? How do I? So um, let's, let's talk about Garland Green in the sandbox. Is he... Is he a pedophile? Like, there, there's this weird thing, like... I was convinced until... Because this is this part of the movie is something I had completely forgotten from yeah. the last time I saw it. So I was convinced that she was imaginary until the very oh. end. Until the very end where she, like, She's waves waving. at him as they fly away. That was... That made it less ambiguous. Well, and remember, but, he, and he's carrying well, the, they, the Ken he's doll. He's got that doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. They absolutely want you to think that he's going to murder this child. Right. There's like a right. fisheye lens. Oh, There's yeah. There's like a like reverb while they're singing. Uh-huh. He's got the whole world in his hands. It's like so every like, single creepy child trope and cliche. Yeah, the dirty they, dolls. Yeah. And like, yeah. The, like, the like busted yeah. tea and, set. This, this girl, by the way, is playing inside an empty swimming pool so like, creepy it's so creepy trailer park by herself but like this is why i thought it was imaginary it was because in what situation would she be doing that and that he the creepiest dude sits down and she's like hi want to sing you're my friend now <laughs> you want to play she's well, wearing you look sick. And this is where I feel like Steve Buscemi's not phoning it in. No. Because she's like, are you sick? And there's this look that he gives where he's, like, touched. Yeah. So, like, I assume that, like, maybe the the sort of intention there was, like, he was going to murder her. Yeah. But she could see into his sick, ailing soul. Right. And he says, I am and sick. he decided, yeah. He, yeah, he goes, I am sick. Right. And she's like, are you taking medicine? He's like, they don't have medicine for what I have. And it's like this really beautiful, poignant moment. Yeah, because in, in retrospect, then we get that like fisheye lens of, of her singing from his, his POV. But, you know, maybe it's not that he's being filled with like the lust to kill, but instead he's having this like, you know, moment, this like come to Jesus moment. This like, because then, I mean, back on the plane, when they're crashing, he's like completely calm, just singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. And uh, he knows all the words. Too. Yeah. I didn't even realize there were other verses. Little bitty so baby in yes. his hands. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Um, okay, so while he is having a tea party with this, like, tiny feral child in a trailer, <laughs> one of the four women in the movie, by yeah, the way, right. not counting our trans character. Right. And um, in the in the trailer park that right next to this airstrip in the middle of nowhere. No, it's like, in, it's like in the airstrip. Right, there yeah. doesn't seem to be any land between the airstrip and the trailer. No, and there's a sign that says, like, Lerner like, Airstrip Trailer Park. Yeah, maybe it's for the employees. Because there's a few, like, stray people there that right. Poe, again, has to clean the floor with three other bad guys. Yeah, th- those are Sandino's men. But he also finds oh, right, he, he right, finds right. the old man under the bus who's like, I gotta piss. <laughs> Wait, what happens to mm-hmm. that guy? I don't know. He pees his pants. Probably. But, like, we don't see him die or see no, that bus he, get blown up no. or anything. No, he's fine. Nick he's Cage just, tells him... Stay put, old timer. And he's the old timer. But then what happens to him? I want to know. This this is bothering me now that we bring it up. It's like, it's just, is he still hiding out? Like, does anyone tell him it's over? Uh, I assume because at that time, that like, like every cop in the 
neighborhood right. shows up to be like summarily executed yeah, by die. this like ridiculous plan. They keep blowing up the fuel that they say that they need. By yeah. the way, like like I'm like, don't you need that stuff? Like, the, 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 but it they, looks like, cool. Yeah, they're really pretty um, cavalier, uh, and they do need the fuel because then they, when they get back in the plane, they immediately have to land. Yes, but um, at this point, um, John Cusack and Cameron Poe meet face to face. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, and he tells him that there's only two men in the world that he trusts, and he's not one of them. Yet. That's right. Who do you think the other one is? Baby O. Baby O. Yeah, of course. It's gotta be Baby O. Gotta be Baby O. Or Jesus. It could be Jesus. Mm, could be. Yeah, maybe Baby O didn't make the list because <laughs> he doesn't believe in God yet. Not yet. So that this this shit's going down. Um, Johnny Twenty Three uh, sneaks back on the plane and is about to carve another heart onto his arm by uh, raping Bishop, but. Oh, right. At which point I was like, oh, right. She's still on the plane. Yeah, yeah she's, she's just there. been sitting in the plane the whole time. Well, she's the like, she's like cradling baby O, right? No, she, and, like, no, she's uh, handcuffed. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> Nick Cage pops in, slams his fucking head into the gate and says, don't treat women like that. <laughs> and then uh, and then he handcuffs Johnny 23 and nobody mentions it. Everyone like. With all the other red flags. I mean, I guess there's a lot going on, but... Uh, well, even Cyrus said that if his... What he was like, if you're... Like, if your dick fly... If your dick jumps out of the, your pants, you'll jump out of the plane yeah. or something like that. So I think that they, they're all on board with, like, murdering the rapist. Yeah, no one likes the rapist. Oh, oh but, but while he's... Poe is meeting Larkin. That's my favorite. My favorite delivery uh, from, from Nick Cage is, is Hello, Larkin. It's like mm. this... It really gorgeous. Yeah. Like they're standing there with guns like drawn pointed at one another. And he's like, you're Cameron Poe. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm Larkin's like, hello, Larkin. Yeah. And it's, it's just like filled with like knowing and gravity. And it's just like a really, it's a really good line reading. And I like it so much. I think, you know, maybe this is time to say that I think that Nick Cage does a great job in this movie. I think he, I he create he literally created this character from like the ground up and clearly takes a lot of pleasure and pride in in playing him and he is a well I mean he he's uh, yes he he's like pure good like he he's just a white knight like the but he, I don't know I be, I believe it in the world of this movie I find this character really fun to watch and and just really believable. I would watch Con Air too, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Okay, the movie I actually want to see is what happens to Garland after he wins all that money. And right. Then, and then what does he do with the right. rest of his life? Well, He's got to be arrested immediately, like 12 minutes after that, because they're, they're all doing a hit count at the end of all the comments and he's missing and he's like the most notorious right but the movie the movie would be how he has to like stay one step ahead of the law uh-huh and right. uh, yeah and then maybe he meets up with uh simon goodspeed from the rock yeah. uh, on the run <clears throat> they start decoding uh the mysteries and secrets of the u.s and uh, then Stanley Goodspeed hits his head and forgets who he is and becomes Benjamin Franklin Gates to find the national treasure, which is Garland Green, who he then finds in National Treasure 3, remembers everything, and they reveal who shot Kennedy. Right. Yeah. 
Green light it. Okay. Of course. I, I hope Bruckheimer's listening. Take it to Bruckheimer. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, are you out there? Jerry, can you hear me? I, I do think it's really interesting that like what they do with Garland Green's character that, okay, he's Hannibal Lecter, gets on the plane, he's scary, he, he meets the little girl, he's going to kill him, oh, or her, he, he doesn't kill her, and then at the end of the movie, we get the little bumper where he is, you know, playing craps or whatever in, in Vegas, and they're like, do you feel lucky? And he's like, I do, or whatever. And and we're supposed to kind of be like, yeah, like, yeah, he we, didn't kill that one girl. So we're on, so his, we're side. on his side. He's still killed 30 people and he might do it again. Yeah. And, Just because he didn't do it that one time doesn't mean he's never doing it again. Like it's a it's a funny like transition that we're supposed to make. And that I do, like, honestly, my lizard brain watching it, I do make that transition. I'm like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, everyone I does. I fell in love with him yeah. watching this movie. Like, that's insane. That's, like, not a healthy response to a serial killer. Yeah, but, uh, but like, I don't know why he he escapes the judgment of the film's gods, you know? <laughs> like, well, he's, he, he's smart. He's funny. And he doesn't kill that one girl. He doesn't kill that one. He doesn't rat out Poe when right. he kills, like, Bedlam. Prison reform. You know, people can change. That's what it is. People do change. So, yeah. So the, the moral of this movie is is essentially prison reform, but yeah. only if you've already murdered 30 or more people. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't matter. Okay, so they... So all these... So like a bunch of like just human men pull that airplane out of a ditch. Yep. Somehow with their bare hands. It was like some strongest man alive, yeah. like like competition yeah. where yeah. they all just they like, strap it to their shoulders. Yeah. I wish one of them like, had it in their oh. teeth. <laughs> yeah, they pull the airplane out. Um, meanwhile, they're they see the cavalry coming. Like the they, the authorities have been uh, notified. Um, Cyrus turns to Diamond Dog and is like how long do we have? And he's like about 10 minutes, which I don't know why he would know and he wouldn't, but, and, uh, they set up this whole plan to create just a, a cage of death where they, bl- Oh, more. Yes. More jokes. Yes. The, he's like, the, what, what, what's the rock represent? It's a rock. It's a rock. Yeah. The rock. It's uh, the rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does the rock represent? Represents Alcatraz. Um, no, nothing is by accident in this movie. Yeah, no. yeah, no. Go buy the VHS of The Rock out now. <laughs> no, if you if you're a fan of uh, Simon West's uh, movies, you'll know that nothing is an accident. He's uh, <laughs> really heavy on s- symbolism. <laughs> um, the the, uh, the third frog in the Budweiser lineup. <laughs> The, the, I want you to take a look at what's written in between his eyes next time you watch that commercial. <laughs> now, if you flip that image upside down. Um, all right. So the plane takes off. They kill a bunch of dudes. Plane takes off. Oh, uh, with a car attached to it. Oh, right. With the ass kicker car with attached. A, like delightful, Which, more CGI. The only emotion other than rage and like bitterness that we see Cole Meany give off in this movie is when he picks up the license plate at the end and then he realizes that it was his car and the look in his eyes is like heartbreaking. I feel like he has like a moment of self-assessment though because that <laughs> like at the end of the movie he and John Cusack have a moment where they're like 
Well, uh, well, so, well I don't want to skip ahead. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, well, you got insurance, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But this is after, by the way, he's made fun of his sandals because like in order to like illustrate how uh, how like left or how liberal John Cusack is, he's like, he's going to go save the rainforest or recycle his sandals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I guess right. a thing yeah. that hippies do. Yeah. It takes off. Um, and now we get like Colmini now has a chance to shoot the plane down and here's like, and I think the movie knows that this is ridiculous because, mm-hmm. but like, because in all honesty, Colmini is right. They should just shoot the plane down. Like it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things that Cameron Poe is on board and he's a good guy because <laughs> instead they land <laughs> the plane on the Las Vegas strip, cause billions of dollars of damage and probably kill people. And if they don't actually kill people, they endanger everyone. And, uh, and like I said, yeah, that like we get the moment at the end where Colmini and John Cusack are talking. He's like, so, uh, like, this, this worked out how you wanted it to? He's like, yeah. Uh, like, whoops. Yeah, this is much better. Yeah. yeah. Whoopsie daisy. So, yeah, though, so we get so, the, the big, big moment. Las Vegas. Oh, but in between, uh, this, in between the, the, the landing strip and the Vegas strip is when we see not only uh, people stomping symbolically on Cameron Poe's daughter's note to him. Oh, yeah. But you also have Cyrus the Virus holding the stuffed rabbit right. that Poe has bought for his daughter at gunpoint. Yeah. At gunpoint. gunpoint. Like, if you make a move, the, the bunny, bunny gets, gets it. it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Doesn't make any sense, but I Doesn't love it. Doesn't make any sense. No, but it, it's effective because he doesn't want that bunny destroyed. And he's crazy. Cyrus is crazy, so anything he does can uh, be justified. Mm-hmm. Quick note about the Vegas destruction scene. Uh, they were going to tear down, they were planning on tearing down the Stardust. So why don't you just let us, like... Oh, I think it's the Sands. The Sands. Yeah. The Sands. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, but anyway, yeah. but but they were just like, oh, well, we like, can we blow it up for you? Because we need it for our movie. <laughs> it's, it's really... It's really nice. And um, yeah, I think they actually like, like refurbished it a little bit to like, like installed new lights. And so stuff. that it like looked nicer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause the mm-hmm. <laughs> sands was kind of dumpy. So they, they, I mean, it's just funny that they spent a lot of money just making something nice to blow it up. But <laughs> that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. We do realize at this point, this is a, uh, this is when baby O says that he doesn't yeah. believe that God exists out of nowhere. And, yeah, he's he's now he's he's gotten his insulin. But right. He's been shot in the so okay. So instead of shooting the bunny, Cyrus shoots Baby O in the stomach. Right, because yeah, because Baby O's like it was all me, and uh, Cyrus is like okay. Yeah, and that's when he was like, "You who have been on the at death's door this whole time." Yeah. From his diabetic shock. But um, Cameron Poe is like, I'm going to show you that God does exist. <laughs> At which point I was like, is he God? Like, is he, is that what he's saying? He looks because like Jesus. He like certainly he got does. the hair for it. Yeah. So, yeah, we end up on the strip. We, the Hard Rock mm-hmm. Cafe guitar gets fucking owned. 
the um, they built a small uh, scale model for that destruction. Yeah, they built a smaller version of the hard rock guitar just so they just, could fly a plane into it. So amazing. Mm-hmm. They slice um, in half real palm trees and then the neon palm trees of the oasis, right, I, one after the other. And then there's the part that I always forget, which is. Uh, the well, I I <laughs> I like when the propeller flies off the plane and flies through the fuselage in between Nick Cage and uh, and uh, John Malkovich as they're like having a standoff, um, and he's like, "The last thing little Casey Poe is going to smell will be my stinking breath," and uh, an awesome fucking line. Yeah, it is um, really well delivered. Yeah, because it's super. It's it says everything without. Uh, being needlessly gross, um, but it's just the right amount of gross. And uh, yeah, but then there's a fire truck chase, which mm-hmm. <laughs> I always forget about. That's insane. Like it starts with like this rack, like this like sort of like crazy shot of John Cusack like noticing it, and like and like the background is moving in like the opposite direction of his eyes, of just like this like Hawkeye, like oh I see Cyrus on top of the, like on right. top of it, like from across the strip, and it's just like like crazy. It's a, a really bizarre, elaborate camera shot that they don't use anywhere else in the movie just for that spectacle. Yeah, and then he and he and John, John Cusack and Nick Cage just hop on bikes together, look at each other like, here we go again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they don't Where tell anyone else. They're not like, hey, this is this shit's going down. They're like, all right, time for cowboys to cowboy up. And, and everyone's really proficient at like all of the vehicles that they like hop on every time. Yeah, swamp the really sw- experts. Swamp thing can drive anything. And uh, he was driving that fire truck. Yeah. After he jumped out of the plane, I guess, because he's like, I'm going to jump. Like, I'm, like, I'm out of yeah, here. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And right before the plane hits the slot machine and wins a jackpot. <laughs> right. And money's raining out of the Such sky. a good visual gag. That's so good. <laughs> I was watching that, though, and I was like, of course, you have to. Like, in the, in the logic of this film, you're like, if it's going to be in Vegas, that has to happen. Um, so Diamond Dog gets it somehow. He he's on the back of the the fire truck shooting uh, the like hose at <laughs> Nick Cage and, <laughs> and uh, John Cusack. Cage gets onto the like is holding onto the ladder with his hands, with one hand. With his other That's- hand, he fucking stabs Cyrus through the leg with a javelin, and uh, climbs up. Oh, and, 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 and Cyrus lets out like an eight second long <laughs> bellow of pain to the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets like, they, he gets so killed. He gets, he gets, he gets murdered, thrown, Every, yeah. he gets thrown through a glass walkway, a covered walkway, hits the power mm-hmm. lines, gets electrocuted, <laughs> falls down and gets his head smashed by a piston. Just some piston. <laughs> every type of imaginable death. Yeah, he, he gets killed three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, we're like, yeah! <laughs> well, also, I feel like he should have been dead before the piston even hit oh, him. Oh, he right? should have been. Like, oh, of, way dead. Twice no, dead. No, but he, he has to see the piston coming down and hitting his head. And then there's money raining down but from c- the sky. But like Cameron Poe's walking past it because there's, yeah. there's a, a... He's a good guy. He doesn't care about money. There's a he prize just, greater. He and John Cusack, yeah, are ignoring... Right. Well, and there's... The family matters more than money. 
And he looks and he sees Hummingbird and he sees little Casey Poe and he thinks, how do I <laughs> get through it? And um, he, he finds the bunny, by the way, that's sort of been drifting through the street yeah. in, the, in the fire hose water. Gives and, his like, daughter. Leaves it from a sewer. <laughs> it's not wet, by the way. When you see it again, it's not wet. It's pretty gross. Oh, but. God. It's Here you go, honey. Dirty. <laughs> this has yeah. been fondled by, by a couple serial killers and, <laughs> uh, and set on fire and dropped in a sewer. She's like, OK, my daddy is the guy who went to prison destroyed the Las Vegas Strip and handed me this, like, sewage bunny and, uh, you know, has been is, absent yeah. for my whole childhood. Uh, he, uh, he, he's already told John Cusack that now there's three men in the world yeah. that he trusts. Yeah. And John Cusack, who's been, in, like, an unequivocal genius throughout the movie, is like, am I one of them? <laughs> Which is, he's, like... No. No. Baby Owen Jesus <laughs> and me. John Cusack so is... Was, no, go ahead. I was going to say something please, no, dumb. talk about John Cusack. I was just going to say he's going to get fired, right? Like, he, he, there's no way yeah. he keeps his job. Are you job. kidding? He botched he, this job so, so hard. So bad. So many civilian casualties. <laughs> like Millions just, of dollars in damage. Just like, because of his plane. He's like, don't shoot down my plane. Like, he, he's not only going to get fired, he's probably going to get indicted on criminal charges. Yeah. Like, that's just, it's just reckless negligence. He really fucked up. Uh, but what were you going to say, Lex? Oh, uh, uh, there's like this lovely moment where he meets Casey for the first time during that stupid fucking song. And without you, the nights and so you guys, I know you're shitting on this song, but I get and I got shivers when it happens. I swear to God, it it <laughs> shut works. up, shut I, up, no Fuck out of here, no kidding. I learned how to play it on guitar afterwards. It, <laughs> I, it's I can't. Picture. Do you have a guitar with you? Can we hear it? Uh, oh, I don't have one. Miles has a bass, but um, can you play it? On, can you play it on play the bass. Can you chord on the bass? <laughs> on the unplugged <laughs> bass. <laughs> I remember it. It starts with a suspended chord, which is really interesting. But uh, hummingbird, hummingbird. I'm so sorry there. for that. Keep it going. Goes, it has a key change to the chorus too. Each time it goes, it, it's really it's cool. Um, and it was going to, it's originally by Leanne Rimes, who, um, there was a mild controversy because she was like 14 when she recorded it and Disney was like, yeah, we want your song. And then they're like, no, actually it's weird to have a 14 year old singing like the love song to these two adults. So they gave it to Trisha Yearwood, this like country star, not, not quite star and, uh, who sang it and Leanne Rimes was pissed. But, um, Trisha, I think we'll all agree that Trisha Yearwood's version is great. And iconic, and the movie wouldn't be the same without it. It would be better. <laughs> <laughs> what song would you? What song would you have played there, Miles? Something by Wire or something? You fucking snob. <laughs> no, should be, it should be outside minor. No, no, no. It would. It would it's obviously the the uh, Dawson's Creek theme song. <laughs> it's funny because that's what I was trying before I was watching this movie. I was trying to remember what it was. Uh-huh. Like, was I was like, "What's that stupid song?" That's the song that I that I thought it was, and I was like, "No, that's the Dawson's Creek song." <laughs> but like, it's the same exact. It's that same. 
90s. <laughs> well, I always get it mixed. 80s singer songwriter. That's, that's it. the same feeling that I get when they're they're like, okay, now let like put the love song in, like very like not artfully. Yeah. Just, like, start playing it. Like that's how. Maybe that's why I like hate. No, I I complete I completely agree. I don't know why. I don't know why I think this song is uh, why I why it gives me shivers. Like I'm embarrassed that my body responds that way, but it does, you guys, it does. Well, like, independent of the movie, it's a fine song. No, I would argue that I hate it outside of the movie, but, but see, seeing it when Cameron Poe gets off the longest flight of his life and he sees his hummingbird and he sees the little Casey Poe and he really thinks, like, how, how does he, how did he get through eight years of nights without them? He doesn't want to live without them because he's coming home to his ladies forever. Forever, yeah. There's this, she says, um, so Hummingbird says to Casey Poe, like, say hi to your daddy. And Casey Poe is like, shy. And she's like, come on. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. Which I really enjoy. Yeah. From like a childcare perspective. Yeah. To not force children to like touch or hug people they don't want to. I thought that was like a very sort of progressive move. Yeah. On this movie's she, she, part. Yeah, she's never she's never met that guy before. He's just the guy who ruined mm-hmm. Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> or like it's like, yeah, like you know, it was something like take your daddy's present and she's like, No, that's alright. She's like, No, that like, shit's been right. in the fucking sewer. I don't wanna hold that. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Yeah. And then she gives him this this hug while she like she looks terrified. Like yeah. she, her face is like it's 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 like horror. Yeah, she she like sort of hugs him anyway, while John Cusack is like six yards away, like looking knowingly (laughs) at the family, like nodding to himself. (laughs) Like that, like they like I don't know why they, by the way, flown Hummingbird and Casey Poe into this like bloodbath to the fucking (laughs) disaster scene. Like, yeah, not okay. I blame Cusack. I really think for all of it, he was out there like cowboying around when uh, there were some basic decisions that, uh, you know, maybe maybe should have rethought. But yeah, they fly them directly into the strip like they helicopter them down into this disaster area. Where, by the way, while, like, John Cusack and, and Nick Cage are, like, meeting again and having this, you know, good guy sort of, like, wrap-up, there's, like, a crowd of extras in the background, like, plucking dollar, like, yeah. $100 bills out of the sky. <laughs> like, so, uh, initially, before they found out that the Sands was going to be demolished, they were g- <laughs> the <laughs> the plane <laughs> was going to crash into the White House. <laughs> But, no, but Jerry Bruckheimer of all people was like, uh, actually, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Like how I know, you know, do they get there? Yeah, um, it they, it doesn't make sense with the flight the flight path. So okay, so there, there's a couple of just little stray things from from the book and the background of this film I want to bring up um, first. This Nick Cage is more jacked in this movie than we've seen him, even He's in the Boy in so Blue. So cut, it's crazy. And uh, I guess to, to he went on the quote Con Air diet, where he eliminated butter and all fat and oil, and uh, ran six miles a day, lifted weights. Would like in between takes, he would go back to his trailer and just run on his treadmill, and uh, 
He says he lived on canned tuna and fat-free pretzels, which sounds awful to me. It doesn't even sound very good. For, well, I guess yeah. if you're working out a lot. Yeah, I, I guess. It's just like so fuel to burn. All that footage of him like working out in his cell is just like him in between takes. Yeah. Like, doing chin-ups on the bunk beds. Yeah, I think he really was doing like headstands and shit. Like, Well, that's all important since he's hanging on by one hand to a ladder of a speeding fire truck later in the movie. Yeah, so no. You, to know that he's capable of such a thing. Yeah, his whole reasoning was that like you have to believe that this guy could defend himself in prison and like hold his own which i mean we already saw him take out three dudes and they say his body's a lethal weapon so i mean you know i i would have bought it either way but yeah do i mean for all the people doubting that he was an action star like he he looks still, like an action still star. doubting it after this movie <laughs> okay we have uh here's a study in contrasts where uh this is i'm reading from uh unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, the man behind Captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson here. Getting the lead in Con Air was all part of Nick's overall plan for his long-term career. He said, it was a decision I made to move into action roles. I had been aware years ago of a certain strategy that I wanted to have. I've seen a lot of important actors get caught up in their own importance, and I've heard them say that an action movie is beneath them. And the next thing you know, they're making that kind of movie and supporting an action star because they had to keep their career going. And I didn't want that to happen. I wanted to determine that I would make these movies that are smaller, more thought-provoking, and I will be in charge of these movies that are bigger and more stimulating. I wanted to be able to do both i didn't want to be a victim of my own pretense he also though later says that uh action movies take a really long time to make this movie took like six months or something to to shoot so um i think he realized sort of in the process of doing this that um action movies take too much of your time for you to make smaller movies which is maybe why he didn't uh in make that many in the next couple of years. I, I don't know. I guess he made like the family man and shit. But. Isn't he making like eight action movies a year right now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. but, um, okay. As a study in contrast, ironically, when his co-star John Malkovich was asked his reasons for making the movie, he sounded more like one of those actors Nick was talking about who finds himself supporting an action star. When the film was released, Malkovich bluntly told the journalist why he did Con Air quote, Money, he said. I have a production company and projects I would like to do. Also, I mostly, <laughs> mostly lately have been done these European art things that nobody sees. You have to do things people see you in or you don't get to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no beating which, around the bush. Which is funny because that's like so unpretentious a statement and Nick Cage's is so, so pretentious. pretentious. I know. <laughs> He's like, don't want to fall victim to my own pretension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm better than the people who think they're better than action movies. <laughs> and John Malkovich is like, I'm going to do a great job and so I can do the things I want to do. And he did such a good job. Yeah, he's great. It's a great job. That line about his stinking breath is like so well delivered. It's not over the top. It, I mean, the line itself is over the top, but it's delivered with such conviction. No, he's he's scary. He's scary in the movie. And he he really sells it enough that we want to see his head get crushed by a piston. The ENT I was watching with. See, both these people expected this movie to be terrible based on my description of it, even though I was like clapping my hands with glee when I said that we were going to watch it. Uh -huh. um, but there's like some line, I think when, when Nick Cage is like, when, when Larkin is like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to save the fucking day. Yeah. He was like, like, even this guy was like, he's like, man, he's like totally committed. 
he like a hundred percent is committed to this role every time. I'm like, yeah, that's Nick. That's Nick Cage. Like, at, like no matter how absurd a character is, and even if on paper it's not absurd, and then he like chooses to make it absurd, like he's totally committed. Yeah. He doesn't judge his characters ever, and that's why it works. That's like why he he's so good. And I think that's going to be like the, the thing that when in talk, cause we've talked about that there's like three stages of Nick Cage's career. There's like the pre Oscar, um, when if we're leaving Las Vegas, then there's this point, which maybe ends at the family man, or maybe we, we don't know. There's going to be a point where he stops being committed, I think to his roles and starts kind of phoning it in. And, uh, it'll but be- but even even with the family man and and shortly thereafter, I mean even up through adaptation, yeah. he's you can still the the caliber of movies is slipshod. Although it honestly, to be fair, has been this whole time. But yeah. but he's still he's still putting himself into the performance. Yeah, it, it'll and be- I wonder that I I wonder where the point happens where not only are the movies he's doing not good, but he's, he's also, also not, not he also doesn't care anymore. Yeah, this is the height. This is for me. People talk about the Rock. People love the Rock. People love Face Off, which we're gonna do next, and which actually was released like a week after this movie. Yeah. Like, they, they were released at like the same time, which is amazing. Um, but for me, obviously Conair, Conair is the shit. And, um, I've seen this movie more than most movies, which is, I don't know what that says about me, but when I think about it, I just think like, like, I know you can't hear this Lex, but I can hear it. I know what you're doing. It just feels like it feels like it's been so long since I've, I've seen this movie, and I don't know how I don't watch it every time I sit down to watch a movie. It's like it's like Simon West made this for me. It's like he he saw young me watching the Budweiser frogs, thinking like there has to be more, there has to be something more, and he knew that I just wanted I wanted explosions. I wanted cowboys in the desert, modern day cowboys. I wanted to know that God exists and I wanted to see the Las Vegas strip just burn and fire. All with the most witty one-liners ever put to screen. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> anyway, this this is just one of those movies where I feel even when I think even when you put out the bat signal for like people to come talk about it, I, I like felt the need to qualify like yeah. I love this movie. Unironically, it's you know it's one of those so when people ask what your guilty pleasure movies are, I'm like, well, I don't feel guilty about it. I like right. really love this. I love this flick. It's really it's just a fun movie. It's so 90s. It's like this they even do that thing at the end where they they like show a little clip from the movie. Yeah, with to, the, to like with the, like the actor. Right. You know, like there's not, like the only thing they're missing is like a rap recap of <laughs> of like the plot. Bloopers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, I don't know. It's just like it's a love it's like a really straightforward like lovely action movie like that's that's got like every awesome actor except John Goodman in it and <laughs> and, 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 you know, like people, when people talk about the rock or people talk about Con Air, I think there is a layer of irony, no matter how much they love those movies. Like, I, I think there's like a little bit of ironic distance. And Nick Cage in general, I think. For how, how silly this movie is, how like popcorn and, and whatever, and how, 
uh, implausible it is. Like, this is what I want an action movie to be. This is the pace. This is the the star caliber. And this is uh, this is what I want. So I'm glad that we got someone on the pod who feels the same way. I do. Well, that's why I like you guys, because I think you are not being ironic when you talk about Nick age being good and because like every I feel like it's so easy to like you know he's very memeable and it's very easy to say oh Nick Cage is shouting and I saw Port of Call of New Orleans and it was absurd and that's very like you're the wicker man or whatever and like those are like silly Nick Cage shouting at, at stuff movies but it, you know and then you have to say like but remember adaptation he's really good but like I feel like you can see that He's good in a lot of these licks, including Con Air, because like he he commits is yeah he commits exactly, and he takes risks. Yeah, and and also the two don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? You know, like I can appreciate the absurdness of not the bees, <laughs> and like still uh, acknowledge that there's something to be gained from not only his performance but also the film in general. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know how well that will hold once we get to you know stolen, right, but. right. The man is an artist. He's an artist in like garbage cinema, but I don't know who else we would do this about. I was thinking about Jean-Claude Van Damme last night, Van Damme cast. No, every time I think of another actor, I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't really compare. Bruce Willis, yeah. I was thinking. I would watch, I would listen to a Bruce Willis. Yeah. All right. I mean, people. he's like beloved in a different way than Nick Cage. Bruno. Yeah, but. we'd have to listen to his album too. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should say before we end... We are on Instagram at Heat Seeking Panther. And, and also, you can email us questions, comments, concerns. Uh, and uh, rate and review. Yes. Rate and review your podcast. Yes. That's what I wrote down a note that I need to say. If you're listening, please review us on iTunes. That's how people actually know we exist, and only a few people know we exist. We're going to get in a street fight with all the other Nick Cage. Yes, I mean we'll kick their ass. I don't have a problem with that part. Yeah, I'm in it for the long haul. I'll, I'll I will fucking push their jaws up into their brains. (laughs) Maximum (laughs) violence immediately. immediately. (laughs) Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Lex Freeman. Do you want to plug anything? Is there anything you want to plug? Oh God, no. Just rate and review this podcast, and thank you so much for having me. And I hope I wasn't like I didn't interrupt you too much. No, Lex, you were you were one of the best. This was great. This is such (laughs) a pleasant experience. Thank you. Thank you. I get it mixed up with the the love song from Armageddon, the the Aerosmith song. I hate the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it is the worst. It's terrible. I hate that fucking movie. Me too. I saw the movie as what I don't know. I was like at nineteen, and I was like, "This is this is the worst." I did too, but Miles liked it. I like it. I'm I'm it's gonna so bad. no. I'm I'm gonna go on record as saying that's that's the best of Bay. What? Yeah. More than The Rock? Yeah. You're insane. No, I mean, I love The Rock. I think Armageddon. I mean, I know you're a fan because I'm a fan of the pod, and I've heard you talk about it. <laughs> but I just, I have to disagree. I have to take this opportunity to say Fair it's enough. the worst. How Fair enough. Be? How does the Aerosmith song go from that, though? I'm trying to remember. I was literally trying it's to think oh. about it. It creeps me out, too, because his daughter is, like, walking <laughs> on screen. Yeah, yeah. He's singing to Liv Tyler. How does it go, Awful. though? 
It's it's not. I was crying when I'm. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's gonna drive me crazy. Type, I, I like type in love love theme from Air, from Armageddon. Because I, I don't like want to fall asleep, uh, and I don't uh, want to miss a thing. Oh, I don't want to miss you, baby, and I don't want to miss this. <laughs>